Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. take your Bibles real quickly uh, to two places. Number one, John's Gospel, chapter number 13 and verse 14. And then hold your place there. And then I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So John 13 and 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been teaching a particular thought in Sunday school. And I'm going to try to finish that up this morning. And uh, then when I get that, Lord willing, finished up this morning and we'll go back to our regular uh, our, our regular uh, time in Sunday school. But John chapter number 13, I want to remind you we the, the last week or the week before last when we were here uh, in this passage, we were uh, looking at some statements that the Lord made concerning uh, serving, con- concerning uh, serving our fellow man, and uh, His example that He gave us in terms of serving. Uh, we taught, we looked at Matthew, uh, Matthew twenty-three one through twelve, in particular, verse number eleven, where Jesus said that He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Then in John thirteen verse fourteen, we uh, mentioned this verse just uh, by way of getting us to the the subject at hand, the topic at hand. But John 13, 14 says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. And of course we understand that there in John 13 that that passage of uh, the Lord washing the disciples' feet is the ultimate example of service. And uh, I I haven't seen that done very much in my Christian life, uh, but the times where I have seen it done, it is a very moving and emotional display of service and preferring one over yourself. And so Jesus there, He told His disciples, and just like we talked about on Wednesday night, I do believe that a lot of the things uh, principle-wise, Christian Christian practice-wise, that the Lord spoke to His earthly disciples, His earthly followers during His His ministry uh, here on the earth, I believe applies to us as followers of the Lord uh, that have succeeded the disciples in being those that present the gospel to a lost and dying world. So I believe that we can take these words of Christ here in John 13, 14, and 15, uh, John uh, chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, and apply them to us when Jesus said, if I, your Lord and Master, uh, have washed your feet, if I am willing to do an ultimate act of service, uh, being God, being your Lord and your Master, uh, being God over you and in charge of you and being in my position over you, then you ought to be willing to do it for each other uh, because none of us are in the position over anyone else that the Lord is over us. Amen. And so He is our great example. 
example. And we talked about that the last time we were here. We talked about the servant's example that Christ is our standard and He is our chief example. We spent some time in uh, Philippians chapter number 2 and we talked about where the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him, took upon Himself that is, the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And if He being God is willing to choose the form of a servant, then you and I should be willing to choose the form of a servant as well. We talked about there in Philippians chapter 2, we talked about His humility. And then we concluded last week talking about that we see the Lord's example of servitude not only in His humility but in His heart. And so I want us to look real quickly this morning at 1 uh, Corinthians chapter number 13. And of course you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. Uh, and Brother Tommy dealt with this at length many times uh, in Sunday school. It was kind of a, a favorite chapter of his and uh, he did such a great job uh, teaching this. And so I probably won't uh, come close to uh, what he did and he spent a lot more time in it than I'm planning on doing this morning. Uh, but you're familiar with this, uh, whether from your own study or from what you've been taught in the past. But let's look at it together as we talk about the Lord, uh, the Lord's heart for service. The Bible here in 1 Corinthians 13, we know it is called the love chapter or the, the charity chapter, I believe is more appropriate uh, than just simply calling it the love chapter. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Notice verse 2, he said, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, he says, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Here the Apostle Paul, no doubt many of us would say one of the greatest servants of God that there has ever been, said that service, serving God, having uh, having uh, the tongues of men and of angels, uh, having a gift of prophecy, no doubt uh, that is a spiritual enabling uh, to declare the Word of God, and that would be used in the service of God, understanding all, uh, all mysteries, all of those uh, hidden things, all of those uh, mysterical things that we may not know about God. He said, if I knew everything there is to know about God, and about serving God, and about living for God, if I understand all those things to where I can explain them to somebody else, that's what understanding is. It is knowing something well enough to be able to, to explain it to someone else. If I understand all of those things and I don't have charity, it profits me nothing. He says, if I have all knowledge, all uh, spiritual knowledge, all physical knowledge uh, that I could have at my disposal to use for the Lord, if I don't have charity, it is nothing. He 
said, if I have all faith that I could remove mountains, if I was a man that had an unusual amount of faith and had all of the faith that there is to have that I could use for the Lord, if I don't have a heart of charity, it's nothing. And so we understand all of these things that's being talked about is dealing with the service of the Lord. When he talks about there in verse number three, though I give all, uh, bestow all of my goods uh, to the poor, would that not be an act of service to give all that you have to benefit the poor? Jesus had a lot to say about the poor and about the Christian's duty to taking care of the poor and the New Testament church's duty to help take care of the poor. And so because of that, we understand that this would be an act of service. When he talks about giving his body to be burned, that's talking about the ultimate act of martyrdom. One of the most painful uh, ways of being a martyr that Paul could describe is giving himself to be burned uh, is, the, is the, what he's speaking of there. If he gave his life uh, in the service of the Lord, if he didn't have charity, it would be nothing. And so all of these things is talking about uh, serving the Lord. If he, if he uh, served God, but he did it with the, with the wrong heart, uh, that, uh, that he said it would profit nothing. It would be good to have the gift of prophecy. It'd be good to have the tongues of men and of angels. It would be good to have all knowledge and all faith. It would be good to uh, be so generous as uh, to be such a giving person. Uh, I, don't, I don't know any of us would say that someone that would be willing to give their life for the cause of Christ is not admirable and should be respected uh, and, uh, and uh, revered even uh, by those of us who are still here. We would say that those are the ultimate servants for Christ that would be willing uh, to hazard their life for the gospel. And here he's saying that if I do all of these great things to serve the Lord, all these wonderful things, if I do it with the wrong heart, uh, then it is nothing. And so the, the Lord had a heart of, of charity. We understand that because of uh, what we see charity is. And I believe he is our great example of how we should live and how we should serve. Our heart should be the same as his heart. And having a heart of, of charity, amen, having a heart of self-sacrificing uh, self love in our service for the Lord. Look at verse number four with me real quickly. He says, charity suffereth long. In other words, it is long-suffering. Uh, it is willing to, it, it is willing to uh, put up with others. Amen. Charity is long-suffering. Charity is kind, he says there in verse four. Uh, charity envieth not. It's not envious. It's not jealous. Uh, charity vaunteth not itself. In other words, uh, it does not brag upon itself. It does not boast itself or build itself up. Uh, the comma there uh, tells us that this next phrase even describes uh, charity vaunting, vaunting itself up. It says that it's not puffed up. So charity is not proud. It doesn't brag upon itself. It doesn't boast upon itself. It doesn't build itself up. There's a lot of people who would want to do that in the service of the Lord. We've seen those horror stories, amen, where serving God makes someone proud or makes someone think they're better than somebody else or make, would make us want to turn up our nose at somebody that we may not, we may look at and we say they don't dot their, uh, dot their I's and cross their T's uh, just like we do. And so uh, we're going to turn up our nose at them and they're subpar to us. That's not the way charity is and that's not the way serving God ought to be. Thank God God doesn't do that with us. Amen. Uh, he has every reason uh, to uh, look out upon 
upon us is not measuring up to Him because we don't, but He doesn't treat us that way. And I'm thankful for that. He's long-suffering to us. Amen. Uh, we know that He's not jealous of us because what would He have to be jealous of? Amen. And so we understand that the Lord, uh, so we can see the Lord being the perfect example of serving with charity. Verse number 5, He says, does not behave itself unseemly. Uh, love does not behave itself in a way that it shouldn't be. It does not seek uh, her own. Charity is not self-serving. Uh, charity is not easily provoked. Uh, that goes back to the long-suffering. Uh, that they're not soon angry, not soon uh, provoked. Amen. Uh, thinketh no evil. Uh, that charity is in such a is in such a way uh, that it thinks the best of other people. It chooses to not uh, think evil of someone and to uh, to charge them in their mind with evil. And so uh, it requires proof, if you will, before it says anything or before it is willing to declare anything. Uh, it, it it begins first uh, with uh, thinking no evil. And thank God that's the way uh, that the Lord treats us. He does know that we're evil, but he treats us with such loving kindness and compassion. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Verse 6 says it rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Somebody that uh, somebody that hates you will rejoice in your fall, will rejoice in your suffering, will rejoice in bad things happening to you. But somebody that loves you, if bad things happen, they're not excited about it. They're not rejoicing about it, uh, but it breaks their heart. It hurts them to know that, that someone they love is going through such a hard time. Verse number 7 says uh, that charity uh, beareth all things. Amen. In other words, that it is willing, uh, it is willing to endure patiently all things. Every wrongdoing that comes against it, it's willing to put up with that. Someone that you truly love and you love with a self-sacrificing kind of love, that is what charity is. Someone that you love that way, you are willing to put up and to, and to uh, literally the word means to cover with silence. You're willing in your mind to uh, simply look over uh, some wrongdoings, if you will, uh, in, in, in order to show love to them. They bear all things, the Bible says. Uh, and then the Bible mentions this, that this, this that charity, someone with a heart of charity, believeth all things. They offer unconditional trust uh, that they will believe you all the time. Uh, that if you say it, that love says because I love this person I'm going to trust that they're not going to do me wrong. I'm going to believe them. Now a lot of times we can have show charity and, and end up, and end up uh, being uh, turned against and uh, end, that, that end up being a problem. But what love does is as I said before, it gives the benefit of the doubt. Love will say, I'm going to trust that this person that I love 
is going to do right by me. It gives an unconditional trust, a trust that maybe uh, because we're human beings, none of us deserve, but it offers trust nonetheless. A person with charity beareth all things, believeth all things. In other words, they're believing, they're trusting, believeth all things. But then they, the Bible says that charity hopeth all things. In other words, the charity is hoping that all things is going to turn out well. It is a hope that holds out until the end is clear that no hope can be had, especially when it comes to the condition of others. Charity is a very positive thing. Charity is not assuming the worst. It is assuming the best. It is holding out for the best results in people. Not People do not always uh, treat us like we want to be treated. We don't, we don't always do that to other people. But what a true heart of self-sacrificing love will do is saying that I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I'm trusting in that, that things will be better. <clears throat> and so it hopes all things. Charity endureth all things. Now, that word endure is not a word that we like to hear. Uh, it means, it, it, means it, 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 it goes a little bit further than long-suffering. Long-suffering is putting up with something. It is endurance. But the word endurance here means that we put up with someone or we put up with something and we do it without complaint. It is a, it is a silent patience. <coughs> it is... Bearing maltreatment and mistreatment without complaint. It is, it is uh, believing that everything can be put up with. Everything can be managed and dealt with. And so what is taking place is, is I'm going to, yes, this was wrong. Yes, this hurt me. But I'm going to love them anyway. That's what Christ does for us. There's not one person in this building that has not hurt the Lord and has not, we have not, not only have we not hurt the Lord, but he knows that we've hurt each other. And that's the way that it is. Even, even the best of Christians, if we're not careful, can hurt each other in ways that we can't even imagine. And so we need, as the servants of the Lord, to embrace the heart that Christ has for one another. That we ought to thank God that Christ has this toward us, toward us as his children, and even toward an unbelieving world. Yes, he's wicked with the, yes, he's angry with the wicked every day, but thank God, God still loves the sinner and wants to save them and wants to be long-suffering to them. The Bible says, Peter said, uh, that he is long-suffering to usward, talking about all of mankind, all of the sinners of the world, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering. Thank God for that. And love is willing to bear. Love is willing to endure. And at the end of the day, verse number eight, love 
never faileth. Love never stops. Love never quits. And I, I, you know, you hear all the time someone say, "Oh, we just, I just don't love this person anymore. I just, I've just fell out of love with this person." Well, I will say, if you can fall into love, you can fall out of love. Amen. And here's what I mean by that: uh, love is a choice. If you just fall in, then it's you just following your emotions into uh, some kind of, of, of emotional attachment. Uh, I didn't, I didn't fall in love with my wife. It wasn't an accident. I chose to love her. I choose to love my children. We choose to love each other. Amen. That's the reason why we make the mistakes that we do, is we don't wake up every morning choosing to love. Charity is one where you're making a choice to love. Amen. Uh, things aren't uh, easy to love all the time, but we make the choice to love. Amen. And so when it's that way, true self-sacrificing charity, if you love somebody that way, it's not going to stop just because uh, days are difficult or just because your emotional state is not uh, where it where uh, you may want it to be. Uh, you may be sad. You may be depressed. You, you may be at a bottom. But love is still there if it is a charity kind of love. Love, genuine love never fails, he says. And then he goes on to deal uh, with some of the things specifically for the church at Corinth concerning uh, signed gifts and things that are in part and will be done away with in there in the rest of the chapter. So we see what love is. Christ's heart was one that had that kind of, of love, that kind of charity for us. And he's our example. So, and we will, we will not meet that perfectly, but we ought to strive for it. Amen. So we see the servant's example. Number two, I want us to see the servant's expectation. Take your Bibles with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Let's look at verse number 10. Here's what the Bible says. This is the expectation of the servant of God. The Bible says this to believers. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I believe that this passage here being written to the church at Corinth is, is dealing with those of us that are saved. I believe that there is a difference between the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. At the great white throne judgment, sinners are going to have to answer not only for their sin, but for the ultimate sin of rejecting Christ as their Savior. But for those of us that are saved, our judgment when we stand before the Lord, our sins were dealt with at Calvary, we'll stand before the Lord concerning our service. So we're talking about serving. If, if Christ is our example, and He is, and we're going to go to a judgment seat of Christ, and the criteria is how we have served Him, then don't you think our service ought to be more important to us than it is? Here's what we can expect as a servant of God, that rewards will be given to those who have faithfully served the Lord, and there will be great regret for those who have not. 
He says there in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That shows us that this life that we're living in is not a life to be wasted. We do not have time to waste if we think of our lives in terms of the judgment seat of Christ. Everything we do for Christ will be weighed in His balances. The Bible says there in Matthew 25 verse 23, His Lord said unto him, Well done, a good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so I believe that all of us would want to hear uh, the words there uh, that the Lord gives there. Uh, we would like to hear at the end of it all at the judgment seat of Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But as one preacher said, in order to hear well done, you have to do well. We've got to make sure we're not squandering our life and wasting our life and living the majority of our life for things that really don't matter, but to live our life serving and serving God and serving God's people and living the life that God would have for us to live if we're going to hear well done. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. The Apostle Paul to these Corinthians does mention that judgment seat of Christ again. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Bible says this, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed. Notice that. He, he's telling, he's giving us a caution there. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. In other words, Christ gave Paul the ability to be the one that is laying a foundation for the church and for believers with the preaching of the gospel and his ministry as the apostle to the church, to the Gentiles. He said that God has given him the ability to lay a foundation, if you will, as a wise master builder and Every Christian from his day on is building upon that foundation something that should glorify the Lord. He says, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that, we, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul was used of God to lay a foundation of nothing other than Jesus Christ and Jesus alone with the gospel. Verse 12, he says, now if any man build upon this foundation, you build upon that foundation that has been laid. If you build on it gold, silver, and precious stones, he says there, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. In other words, he says that there are some things that he is describing how we're going to build on that foundation with our life, with our service, with our works. There's going to be a group that builds things like uh, where he says uh, gold, silver, Silver, precious stones, those are things that will last. Those are things that, uh, that, that you can try and test, and they're going to hang around a while. There's some permanence to gold. There's some permanence to silver. There's some permanence to precious stones. Uh, there are those things have physically in our world lasted thousands of years. They last. 
But then he gives another category. He says, wood, hay, stubble. You build a house with wood, it may last a while, but the wood is eventually going to fade away. Uh, it may last. It may last over a hundred years, but it's going to begin to begin. It's going to begin to become dilapidated. If you have hay, and I've spent working with my father-in-law doing landscape, and I've spent a lot of time around hay and stubble, and hay is definitely not meant to be permanent. <laughs> You've got to you've got to constantly lay it and put it in terms that I that, that that I would recognize well. I have spent I have spent a lot of time uh, around things like uh, around things like pine straw and 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 things like that. You if you if you landscape something in pine straw, you're eventually going to have to and not too soon after that, you're going to have to go back behind and lay some more, or or else it's going to your yard's not going to be looking good because it's not meant to last forever. One thing is it, it has some, some stability to it. It's going to last a while. The others will last no time, especially stubble. Here he tells us every man's work shall be made manifest. On the day of judgment, you're going to find out whether your work is gold, silver, precious stones, or whether it's wood, hay, and stubble. You say, preacher, how do I know if it's gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble? How, 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 how am I going to, to, to uh, if I have wood, hay, and stubble, how is it going to be gold? I believe that it has to do with the heart behind the service. If you're doing it for yourself, it'll be wood, hay, stubble. If you're doing it for a, a worldly reason, a carnal reason, it'll be wood, hay, stubble. But if you're doing it for no other reason than because of the Lord and you want to give God glory and you want to serve Him and He's the heart of the matter, then chances are it's going to be gold, silver, and precious stones. Here, the servant, you'll find out. It'll be manifest. It'll be made plain to you on the day of judgment what your, what your service has been. He says this, for the day shall declare it. That day of judgment is going to scream aloud what our service has been. It will be well known on that day, he says, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try or test or put to the test every man's work of what sort it is or what quality it is. If it's gold, silver, and precious stones, you'll know when God puts it to the test. If it's wood, hay, and stubble, you'll know when God puts it to the test. Every Christian can expect that this day is going to happen. This is not something that is, is being said that it is a possibility. It is going to happen. This day of judgment is a date on God's timetable, and we will all stand before that seat one day and our works will be put to the test, and the day will declare as to what sort it is, as to what quality it is. As if we've done it for God or we've done it for ourselves. If we did it for His glory or our glory, if we did it for ourselves or for other men or for the approval of men, whatever the case may be, or if we did it simply for the Lord and for Him to get glory. That is what we can expect. The Christian can, can, can expect the servant's expectation is rewards will be given to those who faithfully serve the Lord and regret will be for those who do not faithfully serve the Lord. So we see this here in the Word of God. Thirdly, let me say this. Not only do we see the servant's example and the servant's expectation, but lastly, let me give you this one and we'll be done. We see the servant's entreaty. 
the servant's entreaty or the, the servant's request, his, his petition, his plea. What is it that is, what is, what is being requested of the servants of God? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus pleads for servants. If you look at Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 2, the Bible says this about the Lord. The Bible says, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Then he says this, one of the few prayer requests of the Lord in the Bible. He says, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus told us to pray for that. Jesus is begging for servants. His request, his plea, his desire there is for us to pray that his father would call servants and that servants would be willing to be called and to be sent. I think the Lord is calling servants, but a whole lot of servants say no to the Lord's call. Can I tell you this this morning? There's no shortage of souls that need to hear the gospel. There's no lack of people that are hurting and need comfort. There is no want, no lack for those. Uh, there's no lack, rather, of work to do around the local church. None of those things are in short supply. But you know what is in short supply? Servants. Laborers, people willing to do a work for God, not caring who gets the credit. I believe it was President Harry S. Truman that made, the, that made the statement, it is amazing what you can get done when you do not care who gets the credit. We ought not be worried about getting credit on this side. If you're serving the Lord, he says there's going to be credit. There'll be rewards on the other side. But who should get the credit in this world? It's none other than the God that enables us to serve him. Amen. We do what we do because of the Holy Spirit within us, enabling us to do something for him. And God going before us and making every making the, making the path straight for us to walk in his path and do what he wants us to do. We are his hands and feet in this world, but he's the one that gives us the enabling to do it. So he deserves the glory. So we need God. We need God's saints as servants. We need soul winning servants. We need, hey man, this is, we need servants that will be willing to serve. Be willing to, to do what the Lord did and put others before themselves. We need the, the Savior's servants. Those that he is calling. Those that he is enabling. Those that he wants to serve and he's calling to serve. Those are the ones that need to be saying yes to the service of God. And I believe each and every one of us has something that God would have for us to do. Stop and consider what would happen if the ministries of the local church if it were not, what would happen to the ministries of the local church if it were not for faithful servants? Who would teach the Sunday school classes? Who would care for the little souls in the nursery? Who would clean the buildings? Who would preach the sermons? Who would do whatever it is that you can think of in your mind, name it in there? Who would do this and that and the other if it was not for faithful servants? Many of which serve behind the scenes and get no credit, but they, but no, but they know that, 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 that we have a God that keeps perfect records and they're doing it for him. That's what service ought to be. Not about the limelight but about the Lord being pleased. That's what we, that's what we ought to have in our mind. 
You think about it t this morning. What are some areas that you can serve the Lord in your church, outside of the walls of the church? How can you reach sinners? How, how can you be a part of what God is doing here at Beacon Baptist Church and through the ministry of Beacon Baptist Church? Last week we had a meeting about the, the fall festival. We had a great number over there in the, in the, in the fellowship hall talking about that, making plans. And, and we've, been, we've been working on some of those things you talked about last week. That was encouraging to see that we had such a good number of people saying, Preacher, I want to show up. I want to serve. Uh, it, it, the fall festival is going to be, it's going to be a service. It's going to be work. But you know what we're doing? We're letting sinners know that there's a church here by the side of the road that loves them. And we're going to be able to put the gospel in their hand and hopefully be able to show the love of Christ to them. Amen. I close this morning with the words, with the words of a hymn written in 1909 by, uh, by Frank Belden, who was a songwriter that Billy Sunday used in the early 1900s as a part of his ministry. He was the man that wrote uh, hymns like Count Your Many Blessings and some uh, of such like. He wrote a hymn entitled Save to Serve in Any Station in 1909. And its lyrics speak these words, Saved to serve in any station, saved to make His goodness known, saved to sing His great salvation, saved to live for Him alone, saved to show by loving kindness that His love is full and free, saved to lead from error's blindness with a tender sympathy, saved to lift my lowest brothers as the highest lifted me, crucified with Him that others may have immortality. Save to serve, no reserve. Save to wear his yoke alone. Work and praise all my days here and round his glorious throne. That's what we ought to have in our heart when it comes to our service for the Lord. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.